Director of Policy Advocacy Business Botswana. The Chaba Molobe works for Business Botswana. As Director for Policy Advocacy, in that capacity, his role is to ensure that Botswana's business environment allows firms to start and operate with ease. He is therefore involved in a number of activities such as the Doing Business Roadmap and Labor Law Review to ensure compliance with ILO standards as well as to promote labor productivity. I think the language, what I'm reading here and what CA stands for, I think is basically an extension of uh, you know, uh, uh, the CA staff. I think you have a lot in common. Mr. Molobe has experience in both the private and public sectors. He also spent five years as a private, uh, as a private consultant and his working uh, career spans over 30 years. Mr. Molobe is, is passionate about private sector development as the key to economic growth, wealth, and job creation. He graduated with a bachelor's degree in economics and statistics from none other than Madi Kolo in Botswana in 1988. Can you give a great hand clap for Madi Kolo? Can we do the very same for our panelist, Red Chabamolobe, as he stands up to give us his presentation?
object because uh, they were in competition. So they could say, no, we, we, we don't agree with this, uh, this new entrant. So the, the notion of uh, free entry, free exit was not well uh, supported then. And as a result of this engagement, now we have what we call an indefinite trade license. In other words, when you get a license, you almost have it for life, for as well as your business. So I just wanted to give you a sense of, of what we do. Now, with respect to the topic, uh, given where I come from, I just want to address it by dealing with some, some principles. And these principles are pretty, uh, pretty simple, so I'm just going to, to state the obvious so that we don't forget why uh, we are where we are. Because here we are talking about vertical uh, integration and business. And by stating the obvious, we have to remember that uh, businesses exist for, for profit. Very simple, they exist for profit, and for them to be profitable, they have to be competitive. And, it, and this issue of competitiveness is very, very important. So what do they have to do to be competitive? What, what are what are the essential elements of that competition? The key one is that uh, businesses have to minimize costs. And I, and, and, and I, I hope Chandra, as someone at the core face of business, will speak to that uh, with, with a lot of passion and idea. So businesses have to minimize costs. They also have to when they deal with our suppliers, ensure that there is a consistent quality of, of inputs. So costs are important. And they, 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 they have also have to be sure that uh, quality is consistent. So they, they, they will always do their best to ensure that uh, there is consistency of supply. And uh, I, I, I thought uh, the, the vice chancellor there was very eloquent when he talked about uh, the fact that we need to look at quality issues because these are important to to those who who need the inputs because if the quality is not of the required standard then that has a bearing on the competitiveness of of businesses so at all times I think it's important to embrace these realities. Harsh as they may, they, they, they may seem, but it's important to always embrace those that uh, the businesses exist for a purpose, and they also have a, a responsibility to to shareholders. So it's important that at all times, whatever they do, keep them competitive, keep them afloat. So this this I think is the, the context that I wish I wanted to to make my, my, my intervention. So that when we talk about vertical integration, I, I would say that uh, I think we, we can talk to it to the extent to which it harms the notion of free entry, free exit. In other words, we, we should talk to it to the extent to which it leads to antitrust issues. And, and that's, that is where, in my view, then, uh, the venerable
competition authority comes in because they will observe the conduct of business and if, the, if, if in that view down the line they have concerns about antitrust, about monopolies, that's when then they would come in. But otherwise I think uh, we should have a situation where we don't have overreach by the regulator so that businesses are free to choose the models that, that they find uh, appropriate for, for, purpose, for purposes of uh, competitiveness. Again, I'm, I don't lose, lose sight of the fact that we have uh, SMEs that need to come into play, that need to come into the supply chain. And I think, again, BVC made a good point that uh, we should be thinking about uh, helping SMEs with these issues of quality and uh, consistent supply. And when, when, when the big firms, in this case, if they have to get into some collaboration with our SMEs, I think it, it would be very helpful that uh, that gets recognized by the regulators and it, it is also recognized by government and perhaps if necessary incentivized because if they have to collaborate they might have to train some of the, these producers and there's a cost to that and, and uh, that needs to be recognized somehow. So this, is, this would be the, the way I look at an issue of political integration. It's, it's, a, it's a force for good, as a, 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 the presenter, our keynote presenter, pointed out. But the downside, of course, is where there are antitrust issues. And uh, I think we have a, an instrument for dealing with that in the form of the competition authority. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is our, where I address my case. Thank That presentation. Also, I go business about Swana. He laid down the foundation. Now, I represent about Swana. Me, but I go hiring. He will take me to Swana. I go work as one. So, some man has said that competition authority. Or, I represent some person. They are pulling over this, 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 but anyway, um, I think it's coming from BB, uh, Business Botswana, and I spoke about the need uh, for the business to start and operate with ease, engage, engage with, uh, they engage with government, and they have actually now come up with what we refer to as a definite life, sen uh, life license, as well as business, about now license, but I think he mentioned a very important point, uh, and that was when he said businesses actually exist for profit purposes. Um, and in this regard, he said that can only be achievable if at all they can actually minimize the cost. And uh, one of the reasons why at times we have vertical integration is to ensure that uh, we actually cut down on costs, even though others would normally argue that uh, if you are going to have a vertical integration, you may come to realize that the retailer and maybe the manufacturer, they require different skills and the CEO may not actually be able to run those uh, enterprises uh, efficiently. He might be more gifted in retail but not in manufacturing and this could uh, possibly be the challenges. But he also spoke about something uh, that I thought was quite important whereby we are saying for, for them to be able to minimize costs there has to be a consistent supply of quality inputs. If you don't have the inputs they might as well disrupt 
uh, the operations of the company and therefore if we are to integrate then we may actually get rid of this problem and ensure that you get that uh, quality inputs, uh, those quality inputs for ourselves. But I think the key thing to note here as far as I was concerned was the fact that uh, they have to minimize costs. So when business comes to the fore, one of the key things that they would normally do would be for them to try to minimize costs just like you correctly said. But others are also of the thinking that when you integrate, there are certain firms that could actually be able to supply you at, at lower cost than your other you know, uh, uh, firm that you have just integrated. And by so doing, we as consumers, we may have to bear higher costs because you have actually forsaken uh, the low cost suppliers and you have decided to supply yourself. So this might be maybe the downside of uh, minimizing costs. So just like Re Abua, you realize that uh, vertical integration in a and the key thing I think for CA is to ensure that at the end of the day when we promote uh, VI on ever we, uh, we regulate it, we need to be very mindful of uh, where it takes us to. And um, I believe these are the issues that and I think you are attentively listening and ask yourself questions to say, uh, you know, as small businesses, how do you actually feature into this uh, uh, complex uh, uh, business strategy that is actually becoming very fashionable? And just like I would normally say, I tend to believe that if you look at economies, you have the Botswana economy, you have the American economy. I don't know whether you can look at us at the very same wavelength. Does this uh, VI work for us? better than it does for the Americans or for the Americans better than it does for us. Should you go back to the issue of uh, Paul, uh, you know, Paul Williamson who says, well, you come to realize that each and every country is very much unique. So what works for country A may not necessarily work in, uh, for country B, even though it does wonders in Swaziland, it doesn't mean that it will do wonders in Botswana. So that's what I think I will still uh, uh, keep on engaging on as you move along. Uh, let me introduce to you uh, Mr. Chandra Chauhan. Is, 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 uh, thank you, man. I always have been trying to avoid the other one, but Chandra, I'm fine. Mr. Chandra, uh, Mr. Chandra Chauhan is the managing director of Safalana Holding Company Limited. And Ramon Lube said he expects him to say a mouthful because he's right there on the ground. He understands these things far much better than we know them in theory. He lives with them, he thinks them, he implements them. Uh, Mr. Chandra is a chartered accountant who trained and qualified with KPMG in the United Kingdom. A Zambian by birth, he became a naturalized citizen of Botswana and has over the years become a very successful entrepreneur and respected businessman. He's currently the managing director of Svarana Holding Company Limited, a listed company on the Botswana Stock Exchange, having been appointed to his board in 2003 and assumed his current role shortly after in 2004. He was responsible for tenure around and restructuring Sfarana and has seen its market capitalization increase from 64 million to its current capitalization of 2.6 billion. He was appointed to the BIHL board on 20th April 2009. He is the chairperson of the board of Botswana Insurance Fund Management, BIFM, and the chairperson of BIHL Human Resources Committee. Mr. Chauhan has a B accounting honors from the University of Zimbabwe, ACA England and Wales, and ACA Botswana. Uh, Mr. Chandra Chauhan, it's my pleasure to give you the podium.
Good morning to all, to Nana, and uh, it's a pleasure to attend uh, here this morning and try and give you a brief on uh, competition aspects on vertical uh, and horizontal uh, integration. I uh, may touch on Cephalana in many respects, and that's not trying to be biased towards Cephalana or anything like that. But I think uh, one of the things that the CA recognizes is that Cephalana is very appropriate in this particular forum because it has, over the years, integrated vertically, horizontally, etc. And therefore, we seem to be in every sphere of the business in Botswana. So historically, Cephalana has always been a very large conglomerate. It's the first company to be listed on the Botswana Stock Exchange. And historically, it's always been a wholesaler. It has always been a miller. For those of you who are my age, you probably know that we used to have Cephalana milling. And making this country a lot more self-dependent on being able to produce commodities here. It is never at the expense of trying to undermine uh, SNLs and taking business away from them. That is not our policy, and you will see that whatever we've done, certainly in the last 15 years, has not been, has not been to undermine the SMEs, but if anything, to even grow the SMEs. Cephalana <coughs> also has been a very large uh, player in the property market, but since our advent into the retail business, I can tell you right now that the 20, 27 stores that we have opened in the retail uh, sphere Every single landlord is a citizen landlord and we do not build our own stores. So as much as there is uh, often talk that the small uh, general dealer is a dying breed of businesses, uh, in many instances what we have done is that it is true that some of the smaller uh, businesses are dying because they cannot compete with the larger businesses. But instead what we have done is taken the very small businesses and allowed them put up shops or malls in the very premises that they have uh, previously operated from and we have subsequently become tenants of this, so at least there is an income stream that uh, goes down to them. So my discussion here is purely from a Botswana perspective and not necessarily from a global perspective. Uh, and the things that we have recently done, it can be argued that some of it can be favorable to our own businesses, which is the wholesale division and the retail division, because we also have manufacturing industries. We've always had a mill in Serowe. It's been the biggest manufacturer of sorghum Malele products in the country, which is Food Botswana. But it also produces two dominant products uh, for a feeding scheme in, in, in the country, which is Tsavana and Malutu, and we are the largest producers of that. And that business has always been there. It's not something that we acquired uh, recently or even since the competition authority was established. It's an existing business. We subsequently got into maize manufacturing as well because it used to be a pure solar-based uh, miller. But subsequently we've got into uh, maize milling as well. But that is not at the expense, expense of the other two millers that are in the country, which is Bolax and Bokomo. Those products are household brands that everybody in this room knows about and therefore it's expected that our stores and together with all the retailers and wholesalers also have to carry them. So you will have a, a bigger range of product. 
do we have better price competitiveness because we are also a manufacturer? Not really. Because at the end of the day, we have to compete with the Bolexes, with the Bokobos, etc. And we've got to have a product that is of equivalent quality. Uh, and therefore, do we have any advantage over that? Probably not. Just to give you an example, Bolax produces about 5,000 tons of maize meal a month. Bokobo produces about 5,000 tons of maize meal as well a month. And we produce, we produce 1,000 tons a month. So our market is very exclusive. It is to produce our house brand as well as a brand that other, other sellers sell. But in order for us to be able to sell, we have to be able to be on par with the very big, big brands which Bokobo and Bolax have. Uh, recently, we went into uh, manufacturing of uh, UHT Long Life Book, and that business we acquired because a business went into liquidation. You know, the whole business over a period of 10 years lost 300 million dollars worth of investment, and when it was up for liquidation, we looked at it and we bought the business for a very fraction of the amount. We bought the business for 19 million. So the investment in a particular business like that was 300 million. It wouldn't work under the stewardship of whoever was running it. It went into liquidation. We bought it. We made a success of the business. We started with 74 employees. There's very same 74 employees that were retrenched and lost their jobs. We gave, put, brought them back to work with us. And subsequently, we now have 124 employees and we're in full production. Now, I want to draw a distinction over there. What created that imbalance? What, in my opinion, there are many businesses, citizen businesses that get created with a lot of funding from CEDA, etc. But I don't believe that the right amount of feasibility has been done on those industries. Because in order for you to go into manufacturing, especially in Botswana, with a small population, with quite a diverse population in a large country, we have to be always be competing with our neighbors, South Africa, who has mass economies of scale that we would never be able to compete with. So in order to go into manufacturing in Botswana, you've got to make sure that you have an edge. Do you have the raw material being supplied locally? Is the price competitive? Is your labor market good? Do you have sufficient uh, sufficient automated plant and equipment that are available to do that? Now, the reason why Delta Dairy failed is because as much as they made the investment up to 300 million in plant, equipment, buildings in the building. There was no proper planning, there was no basis done to ensure that the product would reach all the wholesalers and the retailers. And the only thing that they concentrated on was to manufacture for the government for the school feeding system, which is primary school. The business got the tender for eight years in a row, but they never manufactured on time. Why? Because they didn't have their act together, uh, they couldn't get milk on time, they didn't have packaging on time, they didn't have the right technical expertise to ensure that the product that was being manufactured was hygienically, uh, hygienically proper. In the end, it collapsed. Now, we took it up, we paid a small price to, 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 uh, to acquire the business, but subsequently, we made sure that we injected close to 40 million pula worth of working capital, which is exactly what the business required. It needed working capital to be able to pay all its creditors, to be able to bother raw, raw materials, etc., and to make sure that you have the appropriate hygiene conditions in which to manufacture that product. Now, there can be argument to say that, uh, you know, we, we are in a horizontal integration day because 
We are a wholesaler, we can sell in bulk to our wholesale. We are a retailer, we can sell to retail. And we may have an edge in that market. But I can tell you right now that it doesn't work like that. We need to be able, for, our, for that business to be sustainable, we need to be able to supply every other retailer and every other wholesaler in the country as well. For the business to be viable. We, that business cannot work simply on the government tender for primary schools. You have to be able to produce the tender as well as supply the trade. Now when you supply the trade, and the trade is our opposition like Choppies, Trans-Africa, Trade World, Eureka, Trident, those are all our competitors, SPA, etc. So we want to make sure that our product reaches those stores as well. And they are going to judge us on A, our quality of the product and the price. As you know, the two very strong brands in the country are Clover and Pamela. And therefore, in order for us to compete with them, we're going to have a product that is equivalently well made, well packaged, can get to the consumer, and more importantly, that the price is right. So say for instance, if Lada was selling a packet of milk, a one liter packet of milk for 1095, which is what we do to sell at 1095, and it is cheapest milk in the market. I can also assure you that every other retailer and wholesaler is in the same position to be able to market that milk at 1095. If they weren't able to market that milk at 1095, then I can tell you right now, they'll be the first to complain and tell us to uplift the product and take the product back. Because they will then tell us that we are, that we are being biased against our own stores, that our stores get better pricing uh, as opposed to this. So in this market, that will not be tolerated. And if in the, in the event that those stores also reject our product, then we don't have a viable business. So we end up shutting that business down. So we have to be complete, you know, we have to be aware of market conditions and we have to play a very, very fair, fair pricing structure that is equivalent to, to the entire industry in the country. Uh, in terms of retail, as you know, there is always we in fact Sefalana was the last last business to enter the retail trade. And that is because our individual general dealers, which there were used to be thousands of in the country, were customers of Sefalana wholesalers. Traditionally they have been our customers. But over the years, many groups, South African groups, local group that has developed over the years, they've entered uh, the country in the rural areas and in, in, in effect took away our customer base. So there were a lot less general dealers who would stop coming to our wholesale business. So we had to rechange our wholesale business and refocus and see how best we are going to continue growing. So at a very late stage, we've only been in the retail business about seven, eight years with the Sivarana Shopper and subsequently we've opened 27 stores. But we had to enter that market because our customer was deteriorated, was disappearing of the market. So we had to go into retail. But again, we have been very, very uh, selective about where we go. We, we don't want to have too many stores in the country dominating uh, every single sphere of the country. So we have been very, very strategic. Just very, very recently, we opened a store in Chelsea. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to Charleston. You know, my wife is a Botswana, but she's never ever been to Charleston. 
forget about the fact that they have been to cuts. But Charles Hill is probably at the furthest end of this country. It is so far. So when we opened the store there, I promise you that you could literally see tears in people's eyes because the store of that caliber and with so many services, a fresh bakery, a fresh butchery, full takeaway, confectionery and all that in Charles Hill just doesn't exist. A day before I went to do the store opening in Charles Hill, I was at our store in Kansi. And when I was in Kansi, there was no bread in our store at all. Then I asked them, why is there no bread? He says, everything that we make in Kansi gets picked up by SMEs and they go to all the surrounding villages between Kansi and Charles Hill and that area. And there are many, many villages. And the bread is resold to the community in that, in that area. So we sell bread at 495 and the bread in the communities are sold at 1295. So there we've created a little interpreter in itself is able to make some great out here. But the joy and the satisfaction that you brought to everybody in Charles Hill was really unbelievable. And therefore, we have continued to embark on opening a few more stores in very strategic sites. And currently, we're opening a store, uh, we're building a store in Chicago, and we're building a store in uh, Kazangula, very far areas of the country where we're not very present at the moment. Also, I want to give you another in instance of creating a business, we have a fresh produce business that purely does fruit and veg supplies. Now, fruit and veg is a very complicated business in the sense that it, it, it needs to come to market fresh, it needs to be transported to, to your network of stores fresh, uh, and obviously at an affordable price. And as you know that there was a parastatal that was created, it was called the Agricultural Hub, uh, which unfortunately didn't survive and it collapsed. And the reason again is that they didn't integrate or they didn't have relationships with wholesalers, retailers, etc. They had all the good cold room facilities, etc. to be able to store the fruit and veg, but they had no ability to deliver to the various stores and everything, and in the end it collapsed. Thirdly, the prices that the Agriculture Hub was offering to to the farmer was very low and not dependent on market forces throughout the country. So he did it very well. So we created a, a fresh produce company and today I can tell you right now that we turn over close to 8-9 million pula a month and then all the local farmers have access to our fresh produce uh, premises where we have cold rooms, we have cold trucks, we have the full cold chain and they are able to deliver the product produce to us and unlike the agricultural hub that used to take over 60 days to pay you, you get paid every Monday of the previous week's supply. So the father literally has to wait only a week in order to be able to get uh, paid for his fresh produce. And our levels of local participation and what we buy locally is almost 50%. Now you may think that why is it that we want to reach 50% and not 100%? Now I'll tell you why. Because certain volumes of fruit and veg we don't produce in Botswana at all. Bananas is the number one fruit whether you know it or not. There's no bananas in Botswana. Apples is the number two fruit in the country. And there's no apples in the country. 
And the volumes that you move of bananas and apples is so vast that it distorts the percentages of your local participation. Potatoes, I'll give you an example, is the number one vegetable in Botswana. And we have periods where the borders are shut and you have to only buy locally, which is fine. Because about four or five years ago, there used to be one single farmer in the Panamatega area and he used to charge 76, 80 pula a pocket of potatoes when you could buy a <coughs> pack of potatoes for 40 rand in South Africa. Now there, there is a problem because if potato is the single largest vegetable in the country and you're having to pay 76, 80 pula for a packet of potatoes, who is it that gets affected the most? The person who gets affected the most is the man on the street. And that's a staple food for him. As much as Mabele is a staple food and Palechi is a staple food, potato is very much a staple food for them as well. And to pay that amount of money. Now, because there's only one producer, he's able to charge a, a very astronomical price of 80 pula, knowing that the borders are cold and the quality of the potato was not as good as it is. But subsequent to that, there are at least eight different potato producers in the country. Unfortunately, there are no Matswana potato producers of, of significance. So, on the one hand, you are trying to create a policy where you want to create local production, which I think is very good, because I think a country like Botswana has to be self-sufficient in fruit and veg, or at least in vegetables, and self-sufficient in milk, because there's another project that is going on about milk, because they're introducing all the, importing all the milk. But it must come at a fair price as well, because the man on the street doesn't have abundance of money to be able to pay that extra uh, premium that is being demanded on local production. So what we have done on our fresh produce is to make sure that we are able to pay our producers on time, that the quality is good, they have a place to deliver and it functions. So I think that in the process we have created a lot of SMEs uh, in the process. Then I'd just like to touch from a Botswana perspective about Cephalana. Cephalana is a, is a company that is owned 93% by uh, citizens, institutions and citizens, individual citizens, of which 46% is owned by the DPOPF. And I'm sure those of you who work for government, you're a direct shareholder in Cephalana. Now, what, when we invest and whatnot, we take cognizance of all the aspects that we need to do. Are we putting a citizen out of business? Are we creating opportunities for citizens? Are we creating a conducive environment? Are we, carry, are we bullying suppliers or producers or what? And we have to make sure that none of that ever happens to us. Our board is very cognizant of what our responsibility is. We are one of the larger enterprises in Botswana. And as a result, we have to make sure that we operate in a proper, full governance. Now, there are other businesses in this country that don't necessarily operate like that. And in my opinion, I believe one of them is going to collapse very shortly because of many significant problems. But that particular, that, no, and I, no name is mentioned, but I think that you will see it coming out in the next couple of months because there were severe governance issues where, for instance, there was vertical, horizontal, every type of integration that happened, but without the proper governance structures. As a result of that, what you also had happening is that a lot of other small producers, producers and manufacturers were sidelined and collapsed as a result of that. I can give you an example on the water business. 
the moment they started a water business, they delisted every other water manufacturers. So we don't do that. Uh, I just mentioned to you, we went into buildings, but we carry every other brand. So for instance, we carry seven brands of Mabele in our, in our stores. Two brands are ours, one is our household brand, and the other brand is our, sorry, one is our house brand, and one is a branded product. But there are five, the top five brands will be in every single Sikhalama store. What we also do is to ensure that regionally, so people in Machudi, for instance, there's a Miller, Mabele Miller in Machudi, and people around that area like that Mabele. So it is important to make sure that in that area you support that Miller, because if you do not support that Miller, they're not going to be happy with you, and also they prefer that Miller over even Sifalana's Mabele, for instance. You know? So there's a lot of regional preferences, and we have to make sure that we look after everyone. So I think, again, going back to the Botswana perspective and Sifalana, that we, we, we try and make sure that we don't stand on other people's feet, we don't try and close businesses, uh, that we support uh, businesses across the spectrum. There's a large business in Francistown, and I'm sure you've read about that as well. It's an oil plant, and that oil plant is currently under judicial management and it's shut down. Now, we've been approached to see whether we can buy that oil, oil plant, you know. Now, we won't look at that oil plant, A, because it's geographically in the wrong place. It is based in Francistown. You can't be moving crude oil all the way from Durban to Francistown and then bring the finished product back to Cameroni and the rest of the country. It doesn't pay you in a commodity. The price margins that you make is very, very small and you can't be using all, using all your resources just for transportation purposes. But that's a classic example, Prof, that perhaps if we were involved in order to save the business and say we bought that business, it's not because we want to dominate oil and so forth. It's not because we want to go up horizontally and do that. But we would consider it, had it been in Kabaroni or Lubatsi or somewhere nearby, we would consider buying that business, A, in order to save an industry that this country desperately requires, and two, to create, to create employment. And those are the aspects that we would consider that business. Ordinarily, there is no interest in us to go into the oil manufacturing because the investment required to go into cooking oil manufacturing is very large and it doesn't pay us and we can't compete with the South African manufacturers. But we would look at it from that perspective and it's not to, again, to become, to become a monopoly in oil or anything like that, but it's to maybe to just sustain uh, an industry for that. So, I don't know if uh, what I'm saying is what you're looking to hear. I'm sorry that I had to dwell on Cephalana or, or on many aspects of it, but I think it's a very appropriate, uh, the business Cephalana is very appropriate in this particular forum because of its various diverse businesses um, and because those businesses don't actually uh, create harm to the smaller businesses. We buy everything locally. You'll see uh, an editorial coming in the newspaper where we signed a contract with BAM to buy 20,000 tons of sorghum up front. And the reason we did that is that BAM has got liquidity issues. They have to buy the entire harvest and put it in their silos and then they have to pay the farmer. 
but they cannot sell the sorghum directly to the millers, etc., on a timely basis such that they can pay the farmer and they have a big liquidity problem. But they are able to come to a company like us and secure a, a constant supply for the next 10 to 12 months and we pay them for that sorghum and they are able to continue running that business. Now we as, as, as a business don't have to do that. Why should we sign a very long term contract? Why should we pay them in advance or anything like that? But we do that. Why do we do that? Because at, at the end of the day, our businesses are reliant on local sorghum. The sorghum that is produced in Botswana is the best sorghum in the region, trust me. It's a much larger grain, it's much whiter, the taste is much better than you buy South African sorghum or so. So, in order to protect the farmer, in order to protect BAM, in order to protect even the local miller, if we didn't do that initiative and work with BAM and offer them the liquidity for the stock they're sitting on, we will have many industries collapsed in the process. So it's part of our CSR commitment to also be able to assist parastatals as well as local Mabele suppliers, etc. by working through the entire chain. But that very chain, maybe in the eyes of the competition authority or some of you, can, can seem to you that the dominant player is calling the shots to its benefit. It's not. It's just assisting in the process of creating a conducive business working environment in the country. Thank you.